0: This podcast is supported and sponsored by my good friends at Hunted. Now, did you know that research shows having a strong employer brand will reduce your time to hire by 50%, reduce your cost per hire by 50%, improve the retention of your staff by 28%, make candidates three times more likely to trust you, and double the number of qualified applicants? But developing a strong employer brand is not just about creating great content. What's even more important is getting that content seen as much and as often as possible. If you have a careers page, how do you actually drive traffic to it? If you have an Instagram account, how do you grow your following? If you're creating great content, like videos or podcasts or blogs, how do you actually get it seen by more of your target audience? Hunted is the place where recruitment brands can tell their story in a way no job post ever could. Learn what works, develop a sustainable employer brand strategy and reach more recruiters than ever before with Hunted. And I've been working really hard on getting an exclusive deal for all of you guys, for recruitment rollercoaster listeners. Up until the end of June, the end of this month, you can get a huge 50% off their annual subscriptions. Use the code RollerCoaster50 and claim your profile today. I've had a sneak peek at what the Hunter team are up to, what they're working on, and trust me, you do not want to miss out on getting on this platform. Save money and use the amazing offer that all of you guys have access to. Claim your profile today. So the big question is this, how do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? and what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently these are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to this is the podcast where i have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets my name is hishimazu welcome to the recruitment rollercoaster podcast Welcome to the Recruitment Brother Coaster podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm joined by Susan Barrons, who is a senior consultant at Signify Technology, who are a specialist tech recruitment agency. Susan's wor- um, Susan works in a team of five and has been at Signify for coming up to three years. Susan, thank you for joining me.
1: Hello, thanks so much for having me on.
0: How are I'm you? I'm privileged.
1: Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. At home on my own for another yeah. day. Yeah. So we spoke
0: about this, didn't we? Obviously, you, you live on your yeah. own in the flat. Yeah. That's, honestly, that I would find that so tough. But obviously, have you worked out who's going to be in your social bubble and who you can have over? Or
1: yeah, it's going to have to be my mum and dad. It's going to have to be. <laughs> I just need a hug from my mum, man. That's that's going to definitely be my social bubble.
0: Yeah. yeah cool. Um, well, look. So as I was telling you before we started this, where I always like to start um, on this show is how you got into recruitment um but as as you'll know obviously we had ryan adams on um obviously your your boss and the founder at signify and the legend uh, yeah the the legend (laughs) i mean yeah, i mean his story has been it's it's very quickly become the most listened to podcast on here so i think a lot of people will be really interested to hear sort of your journey in, in working for a leader like that um so, but let's, let's start how, how, cause obviously you, you working at Signify that is your, being your first and only recruitment job, right? So yeah. yeah so how, how did Susan enter the world of uh, recruitment?
1: Um, I feel like everyone says this, but they kind of fell into it. That's yeah. kind of the, the role, isn't it? Um, I say I didn't really fall into recruitment. I fell into a state agency, which I feel like a lot of people start off yeah. with. Um, so was a teenager working in a toy shop. Ended up managing a couple over a couple of towns, and then that toy shop didn't work out. And somebody just went to me, "Do you know what? I think you'd be quite good at a estate agency. I used to do it, and you'd probably be good at it because you're good at talking to people." <laughs> um, so that was it. I was like 19 at the time, didn't have any qualifications or anything. So applied for a few estate agencies. um Ended up getting a job with a company called Cubit and West. Um, really, really great company, um, and they introduced me to the world of sales. You know abc always be closing objection handling um all of that i went for like two weeks rigorous training in the classroom um so that was i like, might enter into sales um really enjoyed that job it was hard like the first six months i think i cried every day because i had no idea what i was doing did you do?
0: the- was it Lettings.
1: and i did sales so i went straight into sales um i learned a lot there like a lot about resilience and yeah just going through sort of i worked in not a very high performing office. So it was a struggle just to do okay there. Um, but I had a really good team, really, really good manager, really, really good um, like area manager as well. Um, but what happened there was I was there for about two years, but everyone in my family has gone off and gone traveling and gone like done the whole Asia, Australia thing. And um, so it was like in my destiny to go traveling. Um, so at the age of like 21, I said I was going to leave Cuban West and go traveling. So was away for like four years and yeah, I was away, I was in Australia, I was in New Zealand, the Philippines, like Southeast Asia. Yeah, I was gone for quite some time. Um and when I first started looking for a job, the only people that would come back to me for like sales companies, and I was like, I'm not a salesperson, I don't know where this has come from. Why do people want me for sales jobs? Um but it just ended up that I just every city I went to I got like proper commission-based, cold, call sales jobs. Like Every city I was in, I would get a job like selling funeral insurance, car insurance, Mm -hmm. conference seats, like all of that. Like proper just picking up the phone and being told to F off every single day. Um, And I did that for like four years straight just in each city I was in. Um, And I kind of built up more sales then. And then I was in Sydney and a recruitment company reached out to me. And at the time, I kind of knew what recruitment was because... Uh, My best friend Jack, who is actually my manager at Signify, believe it or not, um, had been a recruiter since he was like eighteen. He was always had loads of money, like had a nice flat. And I was like, I want to be successful like Jack. (laughs) So I got offered a job in Sydney by a recruitment company, but I was coming home like soon after that. So as soon as I got home, knew I was home for good. I was like, right, I want to be in recruitment. Definitely want to do it. Spoke to Jack about it. Um, At that point, he'd been at Signify for just under a year. And I think he was a bit hesitant about me working there. I oh, work like together, best yeah. friends. Yeah, his fiance is my best friend. He's been my best friend since we were like 15.
0: you, st- so- you still mate.
1: Oh, sometimes. <laughs> 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 so at the time, he was advised me on what to do recruitment. I think in the back of his head, he kind of wanted to see if I could work at Signify, but didn't really want to offer it because he wasn't sure. So I interviewed at a few places And then in the end, I was like, do you think I could maybe speak to your boss about a job there? Um, And then we had a long chat about it, like what it would be like to work with your best friend in like a high pressure sales environment. Um, And eventually he was like, yeah, cool. Have a chat with Ryan. And I had a really good chat with Ryan, like fell in love with Ryan, fell in love with what they were doing, the passion behind everyone. It was a small team then and I loved every single one of them um and that
0: was, it. Yeah, then that
1: was it then i was in Love that. Um, i even had to have that conversation with ryan at the start like he was like how are you going to be working so close with your best friend and he's like is it going to affect you and i was like right we've had a good chat i respect jack he respects me so we'll
0: how, how many happens. how many people in the company when you joined
1: uh i was the sixth person to join the company
0: okay and and then where where are where you guys at now
1: uh we are at 32 i believe right now okay.
0: So it's been yeah. an interesting journey then, right?
1: Yeah, really, really interesting. It's been a okay. lot of fun. A lot of fun.
0: So, I mean, clearly had the sort of grounding of resilience, sales, all that. So, I mean, you'd like to think you'd like to think obviously be pretty confident backing yourself in that first year. But what what went on in that? So just quickly, obviously, I think what what's really unique about Signify is that you guys do like a, you all do like a super, super niche vertical, don't you?
1: Yeah.
0: And that's the, is it Scala, right?
1: Scala, yeah. So that's that's all we do. Um, the the vision for Ryan was, I, you might have mentioned it in this podcast, but the vision was if you could know your one market inside out, back to front, every single person, then you're going to be able to deliver the best service possible because you know it all inside out. Yeah. And there's going to be no... Uh, there's going to be nothing that you don't know. So that was a vision and it just, it just worked really, really well. And I think I'm very, very lucky for my first recruitment job to have been with Signify. Like the branding and what the vision, what we had behind the company, like the mission of the company is just so easy to believe in, which I think has just made the job easier to do. Genuinely believe in what you do.
0: So, what, what did that first year look like then, Susan? What went on? So did you, did you what was the structure? Was you going into a contract team? Was it perm?
1: Yeah, or? so I've been on contract team from the start. So Jack has been a contract biller for his whole life. And I obviously went under his wing. He took me under his wing. Um, and I joined the contract team then. There was just three of us. Um, and I was like the resourcer for the team. So I just started off like delivery. a resourcer. Like yeah, just in delivery. Um, and I had like really i say it's fluke i said it was fluke to start with but ryan keeps telling me you can't say it's fluke but i had a really 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 good first few months in the job like crazy good um i started in the august and by the end of the year i just had a an, an amazing first four months and i was flying i was like this is amazing i life. completed it yeah, i was like sweet <laughs> i finished in like the top three in the company i was like amazing got a little award um and then uh and then, because I did so well, and I'd brought on a couple of clients, they promoted me to consultant quite quickly. Um, so after four months, I got promoted to consultant, which was like full 360. Um, and that hit quite hard, I think. I think although I'd done really well, and I'd brought on clients, I was then doing both parts mm, of the job I was in in day, day. <laughs> Whereas like before, I was just really sourcing, and the roles I got on had just come by chance. And then all of a sudden, it was splitting your day, like having to do everything, and I went from doing really well, and then I had a couple of really rough months. I just didn't achieve anything, and I was like, oh, it's beginner's luck. I really, really failed it. So then I I kind of see it separately. Like, my first four months from August to December was, like, my trial period, I see it, and I happened to do really well. And then I see my first real full year as that, like, January to December. After, after that, that period, that yeah. yeah.
0: So, so just, quick, just quickly, so those first four months, yeah. let's just think about that for a sec. So obviously, how did you go about, what was your mindset towards learning about this sector niche? Because obviously, never done that before. What was your mindset and how did you approach that?
1: Um, I just listened to everything that was going on around me. Um, I actually had to do four weeks of shadowing before they let me on the phones. So I did four weeks of literally just sitting behind each of the guys and just listening to what they were doing and watching what they were doing and making notes. And I'm telling you now, four weeks of shadowing and not actually doing anything is pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> it used to get to the point where I'd be sitting there thinking, I'm going to fall asleep just sat here because you're not doing anything. But um, Ryan obviously had a plan and, and it worked out because I just I must have taken everything in um, and I'd kept rewriting over and over again what the text were, what they meant. Now, you know, like when you're studying for an exam and you write stuff over you and over, right, over right. again, and then you highlight then you write it again and highlight it. So... I think I just listened and took it all in, um, and every time I got off a call, or every time I finished, I'd be like, "Right, what could I've done differently? What wasn't right about that?" To the point where I was constantly asking questions and constantly asking people to like critique what I'd done. To really,
0: one um, well, d- that that's really interesting. So, what just out of interest, then, what was what was the most what was the most common thing that you sort of tr- went ended up improving on, or sort of feedback you got? Because I think that. I mean, yeah. first, first, I think what's great about that is that you was willing to take the feedback. Because so I think that that can be quite. Not everyone's up for that.
1: <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. At some points in my head, I'd be like, oh, "I didn't do that badly, did I?" But <laughs> um, I think the main thing came when to, when I started with was to slow down what I was doing and then to listen. Like that was the two things. Like slow down the qualification and when you're talking listen. and stuff yeah like instead of just ticking off a list of questions slow down what you're doing and listen to what has been said to you because as much as you can ask a question if you're not listening to the answers you're not getting your qualification you're just ticking some boxes mm. um and it would be a case of um i'd get off the phone and i'd say this and then jack or charlie and my team would say right right so what does what does he want to do with this uh where does he want to be? Like they'll ask me questions and I wouldn't have the answers because I hadn't done the qualification properly. So they'd be like, right, get back on the phone. Oh, I hate that. I hated that. There's been times where I've probably got back on the phone three or to- four times in the same 10 minutes yeah, the I love same that. There's,
0: there's nothing worse than like getting off a call thinking and absolutely nailed that. Yeah. And then your manager or boss or whatever be like, right, Susan, tell me about this. And be like, fuck. fuck yeah. And you gotta get back on the call. Yeah. So, I'll, honestly, I'm with you on that.
1: It'd be like, something really simple, like, when can he start? And you'd be like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, but he's really good.
0: Yeah. No, I think, um, I think it's at that beginning, you wanna just, I don't know, yeah, get through things. And I think, yeah, you know, I, I definitely, I got that advice as well. Sort of stop speaking too quickly and trying to rush things, but you just wanna just get more and more under your belt. But I, yeah. I love, that. What, what I love about that is and what people can take away from that is like the quicker that you're willing to, because t- I'd like to think, Susan, that you're three years in and you're still open for pe- someone to go, Susan, I think you could have done that better.
1: So, oh, like, t- I, I ask questions all day because everyone says the saying like work smart and not hard. I think you should do both. But I work smart. Like the people around me are really successful. So why not ask them what they're doing all day, every day? Because then I'm just taking what they're doing and I can make that my success rather than having to exactly. part with it all on my own.
0: Yeah, no, and I love that. And I think being encouraged and then sort of having it instilled in you early on to be like, Susan, how can I approve that? What could I do? Blah, blah, blah. Make that okay and make that normal is, is exactly what you should do. I, I think that's awesome. So um, I think that it, it happens quite a lot where people can. I've had it, it's been said so many times on this podcast where. Someone's had a really good couple of f- first three four months, and then they just have a really rough next couple of months, right? But I think so. Like, what was that experience like? Because I'm, I'm, I know so many people sort of has gone through that. So I guess what what how do you sort of cope with the self doubt? Because that's what happens, right? Because you'd be really confident yeah. candidate, nailed it. Now I'm doing clients. Like, what what was you? What was the sort of self dialogue? To make sure that you carried on and, and didn't quit. Yeah,
1: I'd say at first I didn't cope with it very well, not at all. Um, why? Was
0: what was you? Why? That's
1: like it? I'd I'd be confident in the office, but then you go home and you'd be like, oh, I've just I've lost it. Like maybe I didn't have it all along. Like it, as much as you can be a confident person, if you've done so well and then you didn't, you're like, oh, maybe it was just luck. So yeah, I probably didn't cope very well with it, not in the first month or so, because I was like, why isn't anything turning around? Um, but I suppose I was very lucky that the team I was in and, uh, Ryan was so like, if this happens, like, this is the industry like it's not you. It is the industry. Just keep going and doing what you're doing. Um, so I did what they said would just keep going, but the self doubt was still there. I didn't, I mean, I still doubted myself, but I just kept doing what they told me to do because like I said before, they were successful. So if I do what they say, then eventually I'll be successful. So I'd say that the self Self doubt never went at all. I felt horrendous, like you feel really bad about yourself all the time. But I just stuck with what they told me to do and keep doing it, and then eventually trust what process, um, yeah, process. Just and eventually it turned around. Um, so it was basically coming to the office, pretending I was okay, just doing what they do, and then going home and dealing with it when you're at home on your own. And then eventually it turned around.
0: Mm. How long was that period? Do you think was it roughly f- before things started to really click and you really started to
1: build a bit of momentum? I think it was, I had two really rough months, like January, February, and then the March started turned around and then I started getting a bit of consistency. And then for that year, I was like, I was on target for most of the year. I wasn't like excelling. I wasn't doing crazy well, but I hit my target. So I was like, I was at a point where I needed to be. I wasn't doing crazy well. So there was room for improvement. I mm. getting the consistency and being where I needed to be. I just kept going. So I was like, at least I'm doing something right.
0: So what, how did you how did you finish your first year then?
1: Um, I think I finished um, uh, in the company wise. I think I was fifth out of about fifteen at the company wise. Whereas the year before I'd finished third in in like kind of billions for the year. Um, I don't know if you want numbers. Yeah, at all yeah. Of course.
0: Was, <laughs> we're dying to know. Come on.
1: Yeah, I think my first year I finished on just hundred just under two hundred k. My first year. Yeah. Um, Not bad, is it, for the first year? Yeah, but in my first four months, the year before, I'd finished on 130. Really? So, in, like, four months, I'd gone from, like, wow, if I could do that in four months, next month I'm going to do some crazy numbers, and then I I didn't do much more. So, yeah, I think just under 200, um, Mm. and that kept me on, on, I was on target for the year, basically. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: So, um, obviously, being a, so I, I was a perm recruiter, so I guess, from what I understand is for you, it was all about get obviously the candidate side, but, and then it's the client side that's a bit, obviously it's, it's, they're just a challenging, right. But obviously it's, you need to be consistently getting new projects on. And then obviously the candidate piece, I feel like it's a, a bit easier because there's just, it's just more free movement, right. Compared to perm. So I guess what, and, and sort of the business development piece is something that always people want to know about. So I guess what, what's been your journey with, getting prospects, winning projects, business development as a contract recruiter during that period. What was that like?
1: I think um, everyone has their own style of BD. And I think in the kind of the contract market it is very much um, a leads driven environment, like contracts fast moving, it's constantly going. Um, so I kind of don't work on that level like a lot of the everyone I know is contract villa is so like lead heavy I still do everything on, on lead generation and so on but my success has come from literally just building relationships so getting a client and then expanding in that client as as far as wide I can by building a good relationship with them so just having one or two really big accounts at any one time um, and just making sure that you are fully delivering on them so you can expand outwards. Um, I feel like that's probably the way that I do things. And, and that's the way that I've been more successful is by nurturing what I have rather than constantly looking for one little bit here and there. Um, so yeah, my advice for for anyone is always nurture the strong relations you've got, whether it's contract or candidate. If you are Genuinely a friend of theirs, and genuinely have built rapport, and you get on. Then at some point, they are going to be able to help you out with with introducing you to a project. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I,
0: I love that because I think it's so easy to get caught up in need new new business, new job, new project, and and it's come up quite a lot recently that actually, so like you just said, well, actually, instead of having that mindset, if I have two, three, four good solid big accounts that I can do I don't know 50 80 whatever k with each then that's a good position to be in right so I guess let's talk about that for a second because I think a lot of people listening will be more of new job new business and always approaching like that right and um, so I guess let's just talk about what what's been Susan's approach over the last three years on expanding those accounts because I think that's where some people may not know or understand or have much experience in actually doing so i guess it might have happened naturally or whatever but i guess sort of thinking now in the last 3 years when you when you have done it yeah. and you put that down to quite a big part of you being successful with business development mm. how have you gone about expanding accounts
1: i think the the first thing to do is when you get on a new role or um, you get on a, a new client they've got several roles just deliver as best you can on what they've given you and like, I think a lot of people try to over promise because they want to, they want to be like, and then they think that they can deliver. I would never over promise and under deliver because we all know recruitment has got a, a stigma around it. It does. And if you're constantly over promising and under delivering, you're kind of playing into that stigma a little bit. Um, so I would just be truthful like this is what I can actually do for you and if it doesn't match up with their expectations that's where becoming a consultant comes in you consult them as to why what you do won't match their expectations but this is what you can do and it will maybe get the same result maybe a different time scale or different kind of candidate and um, so that's where I think becoming a consultant comes in because you can't the the client is going to want one thing if you overpromise and you can't actually do that, then they're not going to work with you again. But if you can come up with a solution that you know you're going to be able to achieve for them and actually still help them achieve what they need on a business side of things, then once you've done that, you can then very easily say, okay, do you know anyone else that I can also offer this help to? Is it anyone else in your company?
0: So so, so the the first part is make sure you can deliver and do deliver, right? No, no, I love that. And I think what this has come up on before with a chap. um, James uh, James Dean where like you go through that process early on of like not being a yes man do you know what I mean and like because it's so easy to like you've got that client going yes yeah, Susan so I've got this requirement blah 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 and you're known at the back of your head there's no way that he's gonna be able to get this or she's gonna be able to get this and you just get better actually as you said saying no but also being a consultant and going well look Actually, this is what I'd probably say, and if that means you don't get the job, that's actually probably a good thing. But what, as you said, it's then being a consultant. So I think what you just said there is first, first things first. Don't forget that. Make sure that you leave a good impression, right? Yeah. And you you actually deliver. Yeah. Then um, so if I so if I've if I've done that like obviously besides just the classic like who else can I help blah 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 I don't know what what have you found works in terms of like I don't know has it have you got these people then to introduce you to other people in the business or have you then just sort of used them to map out sort of other parts of the business and then you're calling them and going hey look we haven't spoken before but I deliver with such and such on this project I don't know what what have you found really works?
1: i'd say i'd do a bit of both so it it all depends on how i feel my relationship is with that person whether it's client or candidate because both are just as able to get you into a project right if you've got a candidate that is a strong contractor has been on that team for 10 months and you've worked with them previously if they are doing well in their job their opinion is going to count so i'd say i'd do it both um the first, first work, the first sort of step I go to is ask them directly, do you know anybody else? Can you introduce me? If it's a really large global company, then I will, and I know my relationship with who I'm currently working with is strong, I will do the work myself. I will go out, um, introduce myself to other clients, other parts, uh, hiring managers within the same company explain that I'm already working with a manager, explain what I've already done for them. And I already know that that person, when asked, will be happy to vouch for me and be a referral. So instead of having them to do the legwork, you do the legwork, you introduce yourself to all the other hiring managers within the company that you want to help. And then all you have to do is very quickly link them up and give them a referral. So it's almost so like they're not having to do it. They don't feel like they're put out by having to do something for you. You've already done the legwork. They just have to give the referral.
0: Nice, I like that. And... And then, have you got better at sort of, I guess, identifying who could be a big account? Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like there, there's obviously an element of a a bit of a plan or strategy there. I don't know if you've got better at sort of, obviously, as you got to know your market, you part of your exercise or part of your strategy, if you have one, is mapping out right. So I've got these big accounts at the moment. Who else could be a client like that? I don't know. How have you gone about sort of giving yourself the best possible chance of that first sort of? Um, impression that you give ends up being a, a bigger account
1: I think it's more about what the the market that you're mapping um everybody knows like the big accounts like the banks um the big media companies they know them all but we all know that they have master vendors and there's there's so much work to get through and and they don't ever really appreciate your service because they've already got internal so um although they are good accounts to crack if you can fantastic but my strategies, I just look for startups that have had funding. High like, growth. Nice. Has, has, had, has recently had funding. They've already got a vision of what their roadmap's going to be. They already know what products they need to build. That's why they've gone to get the funding. All of a sudden, they've got the funding. They've got what they need to be built. So they're going to want contractors on site, ready to work. Like, it's quite simple. So... Mm-hmm. They already know what they're doing they already know what they're building now they've got the money to do it quick get people on site as quick as possible and that so is usually with like contractors
0: so you on the so is it part of your week that you'll be reading industry stuff and you get stuff emailed into your inbox just to keep an actual eye on this
1: yeah like I look at um uh, oh my god it's gone from my head <laughs> that's
0: okay but in you 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 <laughs> act, you actually read industry.
1: Yeah, industries. And I do a lot of I'll literally very simply just type into Google top 10 tech companies funding this month and somebody would have written a blog somewhere. Mad. Like, it's that simple, just tech companies funding UK. And then
0: and then when you find these companies, are you literally then calling them going, hey, seeing that you recently got funding, da-da-da. Like is that do you also then use that as part of the context as to why you're reaching out?
1: Yeah, I think it it will. I, I know it sounds silly but sometimes when I look at somebody's profile LinkedIn and who they are I kind of try and get a feeling for how they would like to be approached even though that's completely on my own judgment and, and sometimes it probably backfires but I think I look at kind of where they are in the company whether they want like a, a soft approach just an introduction and, and what we are what we can deliver or whether it's very much this is a candidate do you want them um so that's kind of I. I kind of have to figure out myself which way I'm going to go in, or um, try and keep get in touch with people that are already working there. Um, go in, speak to them as though they're candidates, and just get a feel for whether the project's working, and try and get info that way as who's the right person to speak to. And then I always just refer back and say I've actually spoke to somebody in your network. They've mentioned that you are hiring. Yeah, I and love going that way. So.
0: Okay, so yeah. full year, three hundred and sixty, then. So was that when you, is that when you finished just on the 200K you said? Is that, was that that, was that year? That was my first
1: full year. Yeah,
0: 360. Yeah. yeah cool. As a consultant. Yeah. And then obviously, and then this, and then, so then, and then, and then have you had another full year then or is that this year?
1: Yeah. So that was last year, last year. So I did full year as a consultant, um and then at December I got promoted to senior and then my last year was four years as a senior last year.
0: Before all this shit went down, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. Before
0: so how how so how did that year look? Just to context in terms of billions, and then we can talk a bit about where yeah, let's talk about that.
1: Um I finished on 460k last year.
0: Fucking hell. <laughs> right. So let's so that that's so the reason why let's just put the number aside for a second. The reason why that's important, it's not the actual number itself, it's more like if you think about sort of people listening, Susan, people wanna know that that's actually possible to go from like where you was, which was just under 200K, to then actually hear you say, well, actually, I actually doubled my my billings and more. People just are so interested in understanding, well, what the hell did you do differently? Do you know what I mean? So that's why it's just important to, it just helps with context, right? Yeah. So let's talk about that for a sec. So, firstly, so business development clients projects would have been key to that, right? So, what did you do differently, or like, did you crack some big accounts, wherever it may be? But like, what changed, or what did you do differently that you think enabled you to produce those results on the on the business development side? First, what changed there?
1: So the the uh, the business development stuff, like having a few a few big accounts, I got and happened towards. Sorry, the end of um, the end of my first year, bringing them on, and that was when I'd built up my my network. I built up my rapport, I built up my network. I had loads of contractors that I was speaking to that I spoke to regularly. I didn't even place most of them. I just spoke to them regularly, and then a few of them introduced me to projects they just joined in startups and companies that had recently funded. That's basically what happened. In fact. my my main large accounts haven't even come from contractors that I've placed myself. Really? Contractors that I've had, uh, that I've known of or I've spoken to at times or I've met at conferences. So, yeah, my main accounts have come from that, just constantly keeping in touch with people and having a genuine relationship with these people and, being genuine friends with them made it a lot easier for them to introduce me and want to help me as well. I love that. Um, so yeah, that just happened. So, in so, so like, obviously
0: it is, you get, it's the advice you're given. It's like, Susan, keep doing what you're doing, it'll pay off. But obviously you do have those moments where it's like the relationships really become fruitful that you've obviously spent loads of time building. But I think that's really interesting actually that, because a lot of people may have gone to, Susan, you're wasting your time there, like focus on the contracts that you can place or whatever. But actually you as, cultivating these relationships, staying in touch with people, building rapport relationships that people then actually had the real impact on the thing. So yeah. just, just quickly, in terms of like um obviously don't don't want names or anything, but just it'll be good to get a bit of a picture of like for you to produce those sorts of numbers, talking about key accounts, blah, 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 how many like clients do you reckon you was working with at any one time or during that period? Because I think that's a really interesting thing back to our point of like, a lot of people think it's always like new business, new business, new clients, blah, blah, blah. But like to produce those types of results and outcomes, like what are we talking in terms of like client, a number of accounts that you're working, working on? Probably
1: uh, three or four active accounts at one at time. At any one time, yeah. Yeah. And then um, like, don't get me wrong, like every now and again, I would uh, I also did bring on perm clients as well, even though I was a, a contract biller. Because we, we were just growing startup. I'd still bring in perm business as well so I'd get like uh, uh like cut on that as well so yeah. even though I wasn't working them myself I was bringing in perm accounts at the time but for me personally I'd probably be managing three or four accounts at any one time
0: so that's interesting right mm. so I think that's because a lot of people see them think that's a get produce those types of results you might need 15 20 clients whatever did you know what I mean so I think that that's why that's interesting um okay so let's talk about the next thing that a lot of people love to know about Susan is your structure what you do so what did Susan the 200k biller do and how did she structure a day compared to the Susan 400k plus biller like what I don't know did you do any change anything in your day or what what did the typical Susan day look like
1: massively I'd say massively so I was so scatty in my first year it was unbelievable I had about 17 notepads I posted (laughs) notes everywhere in my head I was all right if I have a notepad for um this type of BD this type of qualification to-do list like notepads who I've got to call today who I've got to call tomorrow like I was so scatty I never stuck to any structure and every um every month we have like an appraisal like you you normally do and i'd sit down with ryan and jack and be like the one thing i need to change is my structure like i've not got a grasp on what i'm doing um and i think i was i was hitting like the my normal target because i had enough coming in but if i'd have managed my desk better i would have got more out of it so it was literally just a battle with myself of being organized like you, I need to change my structure. I need to put stuff in place. So, so
0: let's talk about it. What did you change?
1: So um, I resulted down to one notepad. Um, <laughs> seventeen, <laughs> um, And um just tracking everything, like tracking everything now on Excel spreadsheet, um, like hot lists, uh, baby hot lists, I just put everything on there. Um, and at the end of every day, I make sure my desk is tidy. And I've uploaded all of my information that I need to. Um, and the day when I end my day I then write my day structure and what needs to be done for the next day so when I come in it's ready to do um but my typical day is literally in the morning I go for my inbox and I say to myself after the morning meeting you've got 30 minutes to go through your inbox anything that's urgent you get it done anything that isn't urgent you come back to it just before lunch um and then the morning will be always sourcing leads and then the afternoon is chasing leads and bd um but even now i can tell you now you know you know what happens emails come in something comes in there's a webinar and then you're thrown off and they're like right bring yourself back to your structure um so yeah that changed massively for me i've really had to be strict my my
0: obviously do you think that was a, a big that was a big part as to why you got more out of the efforts
1: Yeah, like listing everything putting everything in a list and tracking it and tracking last contact and that and uh yeah, just making sure I was making a record of everything I've done. Cause at times I just I wouldn't even know where the notes on the candidate I just done were, because I'd be all over the place. Mm. So that and then the second thing was something that really resonated with me. Like Ryan always said, like, you've got your target, but to be really, really good, you your target shouldn't be your target. Your target should be double your target or triple your target. That's what your mental target should be. Um, And that kind of happened. And then I set myself that my target should be double and double or triple what I was looking for um, or what my
0: target
1: was. Yeah. And just I don't know what I can't even tell you what I physically changed other than the way I did my structure. But then after that, I was instead of hitting my target, I was doubling my target every month. And I don't know whether it was literally just changing my mindset that you've got to reach for more rather than just thinking about reaching your target. And then that's when it came to like doubling it every month.
0: Mm. I think um, I think what's really interesting about that is that, and I've had to do this for myself since having my own business for the last year, is that like I knew structure was important, but I actually didn't have a structure to put things in, if you get what I mean? Do you know what I mean? So like you obviously just got shit done, made things happen, but what you've now got, even when you do go off on a bit of a tangent, you've got, something to return to you've got a structure to put things in i think that's just the most important thing that actually you need to spend time on what a good day looks like what you want that day to look like and once you've actually got a sort of core skeleton there and a core structure you've actually got something to return to rather than just don't know just making shit happen being reactive blah 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 but if you don't actually have like a structure to put things into then you've got no hope
1: and I think something as well that I learned is I've, I chat I do, although I set myself, although I do say I see, do sauce in the morning and be in the afternoon, I'll do like hour sessions. I'll do an hour of this an hour of that. And, and something will happen in the day that may change that. So you just touch base at lunch and at the end of lunch, I like, come back after lunch I think, right, is it realistic to have what I had planned done or is it worth changing that to kind of help with what's just come in? So it's just about touching base with myself all the time and, and adjusting it to go, to go on. Um, and that. that I've actually been started doing a lot more recently since working from home actually, because I've really struggled to focus being on my own all day. And mm. um, somebody mentioned it to me It's literally put a timer on your phone for an hour, set yourself a target in that hour, and then just keep checking it. And you're like, oh, I haven't, I'm not near it. And then it makes you actually get done what you need in the hour.
0: Yeah, I, I've done something like that. It's um the um I've got an app, I've got it on my phone here. It's called like F- focus. So it's called the Pomodoro. Effect or the have you seen? Have you seen that? So, the the um, yeah, so like basically you you can set a timer and it's like, yeah, 25 minutes or an hour, whatever. And then it will obviously it will go off when you've done it and you'll just have a focus just for the hour. That's definitely helped me as well. I think for me, it's I've yeah, it's like actually like blocking out specific time to do a specific task is will always give me the best chance of being productive as possible. Um,
1: as yeah, well, I'd get. An email come in and I just, I would, it would just come in and be like, I'll just do that now. Um, and someone always said to me, like, is that email right now going to help you reach your targets today? Because if yes, it's not, great why, question. Why are, you, why are you doing it? Why are you taking five minutes? Why are you losing your focus? Like that right now is not going to make you hit your target that you want for day, today. So it's not worth doing right now.
0: That's such a great question to ask yourself, isn't it? Is that, is that going to bring me close to where I need to be, hit my target, blah, blah, blah? So, so just quickly, you met, you mentioned it um, a bit around the goals, but I think a real common thing, um, Susan, besides work ethic and putting in the work, is a lot of people will say that the sort of difference between Susan of last year and, and the year just gone is mindset that that's really given you the best chance of that's been one of the biggest changes.
1: I think I went from, bear with me. I'm just going to get my charger because my laptop's about to start. No worries,
0: that's okay. Sorry. It's okay, no worries.
1: Definitely
0: wasn't prepared, was I? uh <laughs>
1: That's okay, no worries. Right, so,
0: yeah. Um, what I was going to say, like, obviously, it might be. obviously, actually, Ryan encouraged you to think big and and that sort of just... Give, you just increase your standards but I'm just thinking if there's anything else mentally that sort of you think changed or you thought about things differently that you that might have had an impact on sort of getting way better or getting way better results
1: yeah the mindset thing was massive for me like i because I think I had such a good first four months and then although my second year was good i was expecting more for myself um I was constantly in this mindset like it, it is all luck. I think people go for that all the time in recruitment. They're like, it's just luck. Like, it can't be what I'm doing. It is just luck. And I always used to be like, one day it's all just going to fall to pieces. Everyone's going to realise that it was all just luck. And I had that mindset for so, so long. Even at the start of last year, I was like, "It's it's not actually me. It's just, I'm just lucky. It's just happening because for some reason. And then it took a long time for Ryan to drill it into me to be like, no, it is actually the work that you're doing, and it is actually you that's doing that. Um, and then I just had a moment, and I was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm good at this. Yeah, this is me. I'm doing it." And then I just had like a realization one day, and I was like, "No, it is me. It's the work that I'm doing, and the hard, the more work that I do, maybe I'll just achieve more." And yeah, Love it took a long time, but it was like a, a big moment in my. No, I know head. What you mean
0: it's the it's the self it's the self doubt thing again, right? And I think. Um... I think I think it's confidence, right? When you're really confident in what you can do, the ability you have, it, it can really help you level up your game. And I think when you're clearly at that moment and moving forward, you you would have been speaking to people and you will think, and know in your heart that you are the best person they should be speaking to in your market. And when you really truly believe that, there's no self-doubt. You're not thinking, ah, oh, I had a lucky month last month. Like that just sort of, just oozes out in everything do you know
1: what I mean that is literally it like people can can hear in your voice they can like even if you are putting on the smiliest chirpiest of voices if it isn't real I feel like people they know that they know it isn't real and you're dealing with an industry where hiring managers and um, CTOs and, and so on they are getting so many people call them a day that they probably know how to eat you alive if they can sense that you're not believing in what you're saying. Um, so it does change massively once you actually believe in yourself. Um, and I think there will be a few pivotal moments in everyone's recruitment career where they, they've probably, something's gone wrong. Like, to be honest, even now, when something goes wrong for me now, that self-doubt trickles in and they'll be like, oh, maybe 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 not that. Maybe it's not working. Um, but there'll be like a few pivotal moments where something really bad will happen or a candidate just isn't playing ball or you've just, you've lost control of something. And you're like, no, I'm going to get it back. And you actually fight for it and you get it back. And then you're like, yeah, that's that's it. That's me. I've got it back. And then you can slowly come back. And I think there'll be two or three moments in someone's early recruitment career where they need to have those moments where they bring it back and then that'll help them go on throughout the rest of their career.
0: Love that. So just quickly then, before we sort of talk a bit about today and how you find things, blah, blah, blah. Um, just thinking about, Sort of obviously now you would have obviously the, the team would have grown around you. Um, you would have seen obviously being surrounded by way more recruiters. Like, and I, I guess now you, you're you obviously uh, internally would be like a great story, right? Susan, she was this is what she did in our first sec, second year, now she's this, blah blah blah. So, I guess you must see a lot of people around you that are obviously aiming to get to where you are and beyond, but may not get there, right? So, I guess what, what have been some of the maybe common things that you've seen in others that you think may have had an impact on preventing them getting there. So we've spoken a lot about what you did personally to change and, and then your living and breathing this that you've learned. But I guess it'd be interested to get your thoughts on yeah. maybe some of the things that you think have held people back.
1: I think um, common mistakes I see for people brand new to recruitment is um, they they don't listen to the advice or they don't, they're not not willing to take on the advice that they're given. So really really simple. Um, if you've had sort of a resource or someone brand new to the to the industry that works with you, their first few months they're probably going to really bring to you some not very good candidates. Like they're just not right because they're still learning it, and you keep them saying no, they're not quite right, and then you'll get some people that will fight against that, and they'll be like no no but no but he told me this. I'm like yeah he told you that because he's told you that but it's not true um and I think you you'll very quickly see in the first like three to six months people that that are going to be successful the ones that actually listen to your advice and are like happy to take it on and not see it as like a personal dig to them it's and like what you going. did right yeah yeah and then the people that I think some people just aren't good at taking attractive criticism and that's not a bad thing, but maybe that's not going to be right because in this industry, there's going to be a lot of constructive criticism all the way through your career. Um, so, I'd say the common things that I see for people that don't succeed isn't that they maybe don't have the ability, but they don't have the ability to take on constructive criticism or even just advice.
0: Mm, and and I think I think and and I think that's important throughout your career, right? Because if you're if you're someone that's able to take on advice. Like that—that's even more important when you are. So you, but you finish that second year, had a great second year. Obviously, you hit your goals, blah blah blah. But I'd like to think that you'd be someone that would still be willing to take on advice. Do you know what I mean? I think that's so oh, important. It's important to have it bring the beginning of your kit career because it's really important to say, okay, Susan told me this, so I'm gonna make sure I do this next time, blah blah blah. But I think the best people that level up again and continue to are also willing. To say, yeah, okay, I've had an absolute great year. I finished in the top three, but I will take advice from that person. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, I like, there's a big, there's a massive joke in the in our office in the team is I'm really bad at writing. Like writing content, writing emails, like I'm shocking. I can't, I'm not just not very good at English literature or writing anything at all, to be honest, even spelling, I'm awful at. that. <laughs> um, so everyone always jokes because I will, whenever someone's ever had any success on anything, I'm like, oh, can you send me the email that you sent that got that response? Because uh, that's got a really good response. So why would I not use it? So I've got literally got a folder in my inbox of everybody else's emails that be successful. And the way that I do my work is I'll just take snippets from all of those emails that. and make my own one. Because I I'm, I know that it's not my strong point. And strength, I'm not spending yeah. an hour trying to write an email when somebody else has already had success in one. So why not use it?
0: I love that so much. So you're still willing to, yeah, still willing to improve and learn from other people, right? Absolutely love that. Um, okay, cool. So let's just talk a bit about, we'll, just quickly actually, um, before we come to, to the end, I want to talk about today and how you've been getting on. But just quickly, like how much has it helped you, do you think, beat your competition being like super niche? Because I think you, you hear all the time, so this comes up so much on the podcast season where it's so important to have a niche, have an inch wide, mile deep, or whatever. And obviously I know, obviously you don't know anything different, right? But like, when I don't know when you've spoken to potential clients or whatever like how has it enabled you or has it given you a competitive advantage over others when they might have spoken to other people I don't know what's been your experience with that, that I've been I think that's worth highlighting yeah
1: massively so like we like we like I said we know well I know as much I can know about scholar without being a scholar developer myself um but I, we know the market inside out like I know which contractors are available and which ones are going to be right for the job there and then so when somebody has a when somebody has a role me and the contract team we literally can we've got 10-15 profiles available there and then to go because they're the only people that we're speaking to that's all that we're doing on a day-to-day basis is literally just speaking to scholar candidates we don't have to go on to javascript or dotnet or whatever so we know it off by heart whereas if you've got more than one you can't memorize it all you don't know it all off by heart you're going to have to go looking for it it's going to take a bit longer and um, also as well like somebody that doesn't know their niche doesn't know their market they're just going to be working off buzzwords that's all they're going to be doing is working off buzzwords from uh, a job spec and they're, they're literally just going to pick buzzwords and put together they're not going to know actually what the project needs what kind of experience they need with those buzzwords or um, what kind of background they want? They're just going to literally throw a CV over with the buzzwords that match. Whereas we know what that project is because we've seen a hundred of them before. So we know the kind of people that you need, and we know where to find them and what companies to find them from.
0: Um, yeah, and, and I think also back to your point of how important it was for you to sort of have complete belief and confidence. Like it also that also taps into and it helps you have more self belief and com- self belief and confidence because you know that your competitors what aren't just doing this and sort of you know as you just said off by heart and that just gives you even more confidence that you know the best profiles for this yeah. Do you know what I mean and, and that obviously is, is huge um cool so I guess obviously obviously I'm sure you went into like we all did 2020 it's gonna be your best year yet 800 can be nearly <laughs> a million pound <laughs> in this year and um the the universe had different plans <laughs> <laughs> well um so how obviously as you as you said at the beginning of this it's You've, one of the challenges you had is, is focusing throughout the whole day. But what, how, how have you sort of been navigating the sort of the market um, over the last sort of eight to twelve weeks? How have you found it?
1: There's no hiding it. It's been, it has been tough for everyone, um, and things have slowed down. Like that, there's no getting away from that. Um, I think what we have been doing, or what I have been doing, is again what I have got and who I am working with them making sure that they are protected and you are nurturing that and doing what you can to, to secure what you've got um and that was my main thing before doing anything else was secure what I've got before trying to get anything else So it's very well finding so like new but if what you've got already disappears then then you're back to square run so um I very much just kind of keeping in regular contact with what I've got and making sure that okay if there is going to be any hiccups what can we do um and then from that is just in the, the the main thing that I've been doing is just market intel. Um, there's a lot of stuff uh, being posted online and on job boards and so on, but no one really knows what the the truth of all of that is behind it right now because because we don't really know who what, who's actually moving forward with with anything. Um, so my approach to it has literally just been, as always, keeping in touch with my contractors and keeping in touch with market and just going off of what is actually happening with market intel and just moving forward with that.
0: And what, what's been so? What's been your? Um, it's always I think important to make sure that people are aware that the challenges they're facing, they're not going through them alone. So, what's been the biggest challenges for you then since this since this has been going on for you personally?
1: Um, I think it's just been the hiring freezes that we've heard. Uh, just everyone is they they do need people, but they just can't bring them on right now. I think it's that's a tough
0: objection, is, right? Yeah, to...
1: can't bring them on right now and which is probably the truth in most cases it it probably is um so the way we've approached it is just well getting a backup getting a backup of people that are available for
0: when you like a bench
1: yeah like a bench, like having a, a pool of people readily already interviewed already there to go so even if you can't get anything plate any placements made now anything closed now then just make sure you've got the backup there for when things can progress
0: um, so how how has that meant i think you just touched on it but i guess because then that that can be quite difficult if i'm a recruit right now it's like right okay well i'll keep getting that keep getting higher and freezers like what should I be prioritizing? Do you know what I mean? So I guess I don't know, what have you been prioritizing each day? So you met. so you said market mapping or market intel, it might be that, but sort of what what have you ended up prioritizing? Has it meant that the whole day you spent just speaking to people to find things out, just as much candidate, just as much clients, or I don't know, what, what have you ended up prioritizing or how have your priorities changed?
1: Um, they haven't really they haven't changed. My my day structure is is the same. Um there are I'm still I, I still do have maybe I'm lucky I still do have clients that I'm, I'm still having to work for and still find placements for so I'm still having to source like I do in the morning and I'm still talking to candidates it's probably the only difference in the BD side of things is um, the approach that I'm making is is probably a bit softer and more of a keeping in touch kind yeah, of approach just, just
0: just making sure that you don't come across like insensitive or tone deaf yeah Yeah,
1: definitely not I think the the way the way that people behave in this time like this is a a global pandemic like it has affected everyone and I think the way that you uh, act and behave now will be remembered for a very very long time and people will remember yeah remember how you've acted so I think it's important that like everyone's going through the same thing. Just be sensitive to what's happening. Um, yeah, and- what, you, what you want to be
0: remembered for, right? I think that's that's such a great thing. And what um, what um what's really helped you over the last eight to 12 weeks personally sort of just get through the tough days? Because I've definitely had good days and bad days, right? I've definitely over the last couple of weeks had way more good days but still have tough days. I guess what, what's helped you personally sort of just get through those tougher days? Wine. yeah can I say that (laughs) yeah of course you can
1: (laughs) yeah definitely wine I never used to drink during the week but I do now but I'm trying to see it as it's a sophisticated thing (laughs) I think just like I speak to my contract team all day like every day we'll have a FaceTime, um and sometimes it's literally like 10-20 minutes of not really fully work related it's just having a bit of banter like my, I love my contract team. Like it's me and the the four boys, and I, I absolutely love them. Like they make my job the best thing ever. Like I love seeing them every day. We have so much fun. So just twenty minutes every day speaking to them just picks up my mood. So I've just been making sure I'm keeping in contact and the girls. I'll have a little gossip with the girls before the morning meeting. We'll have our coffee at like the girls that I work with. So it's almost like I'm still in base. Um, but. In recruitment, like, you're always in a busy environment. like It's constant noise whatever. So I've just been trying to recreate that by just making sure I'm speaking to people, not just emailing, but actually seeing their faces.
0: Yeah, just, just using those things to make you remember that you're not alone and it's not just you in your one yeah. bed flat, just smashing it out and you're not in a silo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cool. And look, before I ask you the last um, couple of questions, I have to ask, just because I think a lot of people... Would we'll be interested in, in hearing Ryan's story. I guess, what, what, from your perspective, being in obviously um, at Signify during obviously the the growth. I guess how how has sort of um, Ryan's leadership impacted you personally? Do you think what what's been some of the things that maybe he's done, or just being in that environment that you think has had had the most impact on you out of interest?
1: Well. I've learned pretty much everything that I know from him and his environment. So everything that I've learned and all the success that I have had has come from him and his environment. So that that's pretty much it. Like I wouldn't have achieved what I've achieved without his and Jack's support and the, what they've taught me. Cause I didn't have anything before. They gave it all to me. So yeah, like I wouldn't be where, where I am now without that environment. Um, Like, I probably wouldn't even still be in recruitment because those times when I did really doubt myself and I'd walk home to the station at the end of the day and be like, I can't do it anymore. No, it's too much. And then going back in and having the encouragement from them has kept me in it. So, yeah, I think I would not be who are the recruiter of today without what Ryan has taught me.
0: Love that. Um, so what are you most excited about, Susan? Post post COVID, <laughs> personal professional. What are you most excited about?
1: Holidays. Get me in the sunshine. I've had to cancel like three holidays this year. um oh, I,
0: don't. I, I, I should have been in Bali and Sydney. Like I, I had a yeah a trip to Bali for two and a bit weeks, see my friends, and then trip to Sydney for the first time and had to cancel that few minutes yeah.
1: It's sad. So yeah, I think holidays and just being back in the office, like I need to be in the office. I can't be at home on my own anymore. I'm going crazy. I've been talking to my plant. I need to post that plant <laughs> <laughs> I need to the office. Oh <laughs> God. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, so look, last question. You can answer this with um, a phrase, a sentence, a word, whatever comes up for you. But if, if, Um, Susan could communicate to every single recruiter out there they'd listen to your advice they'd take it on and implement it tomorrow what would you say to the people?
1: Listen everything listen to the advice listen to your candidates and listen to your clients just listen, actually take it in
0: Love that. Susan, it's been an absolute pleasure thank you.
1: Thank you for having me
0: Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Heisha Azuz and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have Two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast. It will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again
1: for listening.